Welcome. Hi. <laughs> it's good to be here. Yeah, so this is episode seven of Do More Get Luck here. Uh, my podcast, my name is Masa, and we are here with... The Andy-san. So, welcome again. And uh, yeah, who are you? What do you do? Well, um, my name's Andy. I'm 34 years old. I've been on YouTube since 2006, and I've been making regular content since 2008. Um, I've done a lot of things in life. Um, most notably, I was in the U.S. Navy for five years, from 2010 to 2015, and from 2013 to 2015, before I got out, I was stationed out in Yokosuka, Japan, in the Kanagawa Prefecture. And during that time, I made a series of videos called Andy Japandi, where I explore around different parts of Kanagawa, Tokyo, and other parts. But uh, when I moved back to the States in 2015, after I got out of the Navy, I uh, went to uh, several colleges. I went out to Western Michigan University, Kalamazoo, Michigan. I also went to KVCC, Kalamazoo Valley, uh, to take some classes in Adobe. Uh, also, after about a year or so, I decided to take a break to just kind of figure my stuff out. And then I realized during that time, I really missed Japan, you know? And I wanted to find some way to come back. But while I was in college, you you couldn't use the, the, uh, the GI Bill to study abroad through the college. So I found out through one of my old shipmates who got out, and you can just apply to a college out in Japan versus going through like a study abroad program or something like that. So I decided to oh. go back to college, build my GPA back up, apply to a college out here in Tokyo. I got accepted, and I'm just now wrapping up my first semester out here. And that's where I'm at now. <laughs> nice. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that it was like uh, you really just apply to a different school. Yeah. It's not like through a university that you're already at. Yeah, that's that's one of the restrictions of the GI Bill is that unless it's specifically required for your major, you can't just do a study abroad. Mm -hmm. But if you apply to a foreign school, then it's like, okay, yeah, sure. So with, with the Navy, mm -hmm. kind of backing up real quick, um, did you know you are going to be in Japan or was it... You were just kind of thrown out here? No, I, I mean, when I first joined, I didn't think I would get out to Japan. I kind of hoped and like, well, what if I get stationed out in Japan? That'd be cool. Because mm -hmm. like the whole reason behind me even joining the Navy was during that time, there was the Great Recession in America. So I couldn't get hired working at Walmart or McDonald's. Mm. So I was constantly going through turnover jobs because... You know, people would either just let me go or maybe give me like two hours and like that doesn't even cover gas to no. put in my car to get back and forth to work. So it's like, what's the point? So things got a little tense in the house at the time because I was living mm -hmm. with my folks and they were like, either, you know, you join the military or get the fuck out of my house. And it was like middle winter in Ohio and I only have so much gas in my car, so I wouldn't really last that long out there. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, maybe look at some branches. You know, I didn't want to go Army or Marines because I'm not, like, super physical buff man dude. But uh, I decided on – originally I was going to join the Air Force because at the time they started a cryptologic wing. And my cousin, she was in the Air Force, and she kind of did that sort of, like, white hat hacker type stuff. And I mm -hmm. thought, yo, that's pretty cool because, like, I go in, do that get some experience, and then once I get out on the outside, I got all these credentials and stuff, and, like, you know, all these companies would be throwing money at me. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. But uh, the recruitment office was closed that day, and then when I did eventually contact them, they were like, oh, no, no, we're, we're full. We have, like, way too many people because, obviously, I wasn't the first one to think, hey, during recession, you can't get hired anywhere. Join the military, right? Yeah. Right, right. Perfect time. So I then went over to the Navy, which was my second choice, and they were like, yeah, man, we'll take care of you, figure it out, and all this other stuff. Mm. And what was what was your expectation when you first joined then? Like, and did whatever you did meet those expectations? Like, was it the same? Was it completely different? Um, it, was, it was kind of a mixture of all those, because, you know, for me, like, the reason I joined was to get a steady paycheck, and, you know, once I got out to uh, go back to college because, you know, before I joined the Navy, I dropped out of college just because you know, I didn't have any um, finances mm -hmm. involved with it. Because, what were you studying before? Uh, before I was studying management information systems. What are you studying now? Now I'm uh, basically kind of getting rid of my gen eds and then I'm going to be going into communications with an emphasis on uh, film production. 
Okay, interesting. And so those are very different things, though. A little bit, yeah. Right. I mean, they all kind of involve computers, especially right. nowadays. Right, right. You know, so I realized when I was studying, you know, management information systems, it's kind of like computer computer science meets uh, like business management, admin mm-hmm. style stuff. And I like computers. I like dealing with them. But as far as like getting into the nitty gritty and coding and all that kind of stuff, like I don't have the patience for that shit, dude. <laughs> have you done it before? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've worked with like basic and all that kinds mm-hmm. of other stuff and, you know, worked like ASP and a little bit of JavaScript and stuff like that. But I mean, I kind of n- can navigate through things, but as far as doing it for a job, I would be like, you know, the, the little granny at the typewriter, like, dip, uh, dip, yeah. dip. you know, it's, so like I wouldn't be very effective as it, a coder. It's tricky, like, cause I, I actually started my university studies like as a computer science major because okay. I really enjoyed the uh, like Java programming classes that I took in high school. And in university, I think I went to like 20% of the classes because oh, yeah. I really liked coding and I liked the projects. Mm-hmm. I just hated learning about it. I just wanted to do it. Right. And it eventually didn't work out. But my, my last job um, that I left in the end of January was uh, like a whole web development agency. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing programming there. I was the office manager, but it was kind of cool to see what everyone's doing. And I can't follow along with all of it, but it's like, oh, this is super nostalgic. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not scushy to the max, yo. Yeah, no, it, it's it's cool though. But it's what I'm realizing now is having any sort of basic understanding of like code mm-hmm. can get you so much farther than oh, if you absolutely. don't know anything, right? Like literally, whether it's like tweaking websites or just like messing with things, even in Adobe, yeah, like uh, especially with like After Effects, mm-hmm. the more you understand how like logic, like code works, the more you can do with, especially with expressions and like, it's, it's a lot easier to figure out things. So I don't know. It's, it's cool. Um, but yeah, there's, it takes a lot of patience and learning. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, one of my, you know, good memories of, uh, cause originally I went to ITT Technical Institute out in Dayton, Ohio. Did you really? Yeah. Which that, that's not even a school anymore. They closed. Oh, yeah, wait, for real? Yeah. They went bankrupt back in 2014. What? Okay, so yeah. so ITT Technical Institute or whatever is just like I would always see the commercials. Yeah, I lived me in the too. States. I didn't realize that it was like a, I th- I just assumed it was a scam. Well, <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert. But at the time, yeah, I saw a lot of the commercials growing up, and it had like these cool, like sort of like John Carpenter synthy beats, like jobs are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And you need the skills of tomorrow to get the jobs of today. Join IGT Technical Institute. And it was just like this, like, yeah, I want to do this. And I'm looking through all the programs and I'm like, I don't really want to be super coder man, dude. Or, you know, my mom was like, get into hardware, get into hardware. It's like, I don't know, hardware, man. Why hardware? Because her idea was that, well, hardware is like constantly changing. So you're going to be like in demand versus software, which like auto updates. And it's like, what are they going to call you for, for software? Come on, Andy. You know, and I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, they're getting new software every day, and people ain't figuring out these uh, these updates and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was the only thing I was really good at, you know? So I went through... Uh, originally, I wanted to be, like, a freelance web designer. And keep in mind, this is back in, like, 2004, 2006. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, way before, like, Upwork and all these other freelance websites right. kind the of made The internet's a thing. barely a thing yeah. at that point. Yeah. I mean, the... Facebook was like a blip on the radar, and you had to have like a registered .edu email address, which I was so pissed off about because at ITD Tech, I tried to sign up for Facebook back in 2004, and motherfucking Mark Zuckerberg, I'm letting the fuck flag fly, by the way, bleh. So, Zucks wouldn't allow me to sign up for Facebook with my ITD Tech email address, which had a .edu, but once I went and transferred to a proper four-year university, then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll let this guy in. Yeah, it's cool. No Wait, problem. Wait, really? It didn't accept the ITT? No, it didn't. Why? I don't know, dude. I kept it's on... Com- I kept on like, school. Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> it, sh- it should have been... A- There's a lot of red flags looking back on it. And at the yeah. time, just like, yeah, you know, it, it's not too bad. You know, you just commute and no biggie. But uh, I eventually did go to a proper four-year university uh, Urbana University in Urbana, Ohio. There's one in like uh, Illinois, so I have to make that distinction. It's like, oh, you were in Chicago? That, that comes a bit later, folks. Mm-hmm. But uh, I went out to Urbana University because 
I was taking a night class in addition mm-hmm. to my normal day classes, and I was commuting. So the distance between where I was living and where the school was was like 65, 70 miles one way. So rather than just Wait, that's me... a ton of miles. Yeah, though. dude. So like... But I would only go to school like maybe two, three days a week. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have to like do it every day. So it wasn't so bad. And I was working basically full time at McDonald's anyway. So, you know, just like, you know, go to school in the mornings, come back, get ready for work. And, you know, I was young and had way better knees than I do today. So it was just like, yeah, you know, whatever. No big deal. But uh, during my night classes, I decided to just kind of stick around. And my best friend was going to Urbana University for undergrad at the time. Mm-hmm. So I just like stop on over there and just hang out with him until it's time to go back for my night class. And I just like really loved the campus. I really loved because um, I was staying with my parents at the time. So I really loved having that separation between them rather than me just it was basically like going to high school for mm-hmm. me. But high school is like really, really far away. And, like, nothing was different. But I wanted that, like, separation experience to kind of, like, be my own man and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, you know, he had a lot of cool friends and, you know, came my friends. So it just got to a point where I was just, like, I don't know about this ITT Tech thing, man. <laughs> Spoiler alerts. But, uh, yeah, I decided to transfer over there. And uh, it was just a good thing, man, studying uh, man- uh, business Management information systems because they call it different things in different schools. Sometimes yeah, that's it's like, the tricky part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got to remember like it was management information systems. Some of them call them like business systems or whatever the case. Mm-hmm. Same deal. And so now, fast forward to now, mm-hmm. um, what exactly are you trying to do with like your studies in Japan? Well, right now I'm going to Lakeland University out in Shinjuku, and basically what it is, it's a two-year degree. So it's going to be like a transfer associates. Mm-hmm. So I guess technically it'd be like an associates of arts in general studies or whatever the case. And you're going to use that to like transfer to another school so you don't have to take all the gen eds. So it's basically okay, kind of like a community college, but they're like an actual like university. Like the main campus is out in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. The who in Wisconsin? Sheboygan. It's not a real place. <laughs> That's a real place there, guy. You take that back. <laughs> That's a hosa piece. <laughs> All right, so whatever Wisconsin, and then what? <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, that's where the main campus is, and they offer four-year degrees. So there is um, kind of a cool little pipeline that they have. So if you want to transfer out from the Japan campus to the Sheboygan campus, they have a uh, like a grant, like a scholarship you can get. I think it's like ten thousand dollars. Last I checked, mm-hmm. and then all your credits will transfer hundred percent because it's the same school so oh, okay there's, yeah, there's nice. no like i wonder if this credit counts for this and all this other stuff because like i've gone to like a hodgepodge of schools no, like, and that's looking- the most garbage system in like that's what i never understood about like the u.s like higher ed system of yeah. like why doesn't this like algebra algebra class count as this algebra credit over at this other school it's the same content like yeah. why doesn't it yeah, it's and it really gets dumb. it gets even more complex when you deal with quarter hours, which I had to deal with at ITT Tech. All my other schools dealt with like normal credit hours, but when you deal with quarter hours, it's like they it's almost like you get like a like one and seven eighths of a credit. And it's oh just my like, god! What the hell? Yeah. Now of course all those older schools, you know, obviously ITT Tech's not around, so I can't use them credits anymore. <laughs> oh, they like expire if the school goes. Yeah, and plus, like, I haven't gone there since 04, so it's like 15 uh, plus years. True. So, I, I'm pretty know. sure there's like a statute of limitations, like something, like yeah. uh, an expiration date on credits anyway after you leave a certain school. Yeah, I think but, it's 10 years. Don't yeah. quote me on it. Okay, so you're in at this school. It's like a two-year program. Right. And then your plan is to go into a four-year afterwards? Yes. The... How does that work in terms of like when you transfer the credits over, do you still have to do like a full four years or it's just, does it like two years worth of credits so you only have to do two more years? Yeah, normally if you just take all the credits that you get from the two year uh, program, it would just transfer over to your uh, next college and then you'd only have to take two years. And mm-hmm. at that point you're taking stuff relevant to your major versus all these gen ed courses. And especially if you're worried about finances, I think it's like, you know, a really good financial move because this its what a lot of other kids in America do. They go for their first two years out in community college, get a lot of the gen eds and all that kind of stuff done, get an associate's, transfer out to a four-year university. So they only have to do two years 
and it's all like courses that are relevant to their interests and relevant to their major versus like, you know, taking composition two and it's like, why am I paying ten thousand dollars to right. learn how to write when I could pay five thousand to learn how to write? And it's like for for me, um, I started computer science, and then I switched to psychology eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually switched to officially switched my degree over the semester I was graduating. <laughs> oh, nice. And it, they were like, no, no, I think it's okay. I just didn't have something. I wasn't able to switch because of some reason. I don't remember why, but. They, they let me officially switch at the very end. Uh, um, and I graduated with that. But yeah, there is, it's weird where I never thought of it as like money, mm-hmm. but it is tons of money oh, that you're absolutely. like wasting. And like, I, I've definitely wasted, um, cause I still graduated in four years and I definitely wasted a ton of time, wasted a lot of credits, uh, and in turn, a lot of money. And even going into, cause I started a master's degree and that was another one where I was just kind of doing it. Um, I was doing teaching and I did it because someone that uh, I knew that knew me very well said, hey, I think this would be very good for you. And so mm-hmm. I tried it out. Turns out it wasn't. <laughs> I think the experience was very good. I have no regrets about doing it. However, like if I had to go back and it's like, what could I have fixed or made different choices on it? Probably could have thought about it a little bit more. Oh, definitely. But yeah, it's um, so... With the GI Bill, though, like how does that exactly work? Well, the GI Bill is basically an initiative that was set forth in America, like probably after World War II, I believe. Again, don't quote me on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's basically set up to be um, almost like a scholarship in a way, okay. to where the uh, the VA, the Veterans Affairs Department, takes care and pays <clears throat> pays for 100 percent of the tuition for public schools. And for private schools, they have like a, a he, like a cap. Basically, it depends on like state and all this other kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, public schools, hundred percent, like <laughs> no problem. And uh, that's only in the states, or is any like what is what is defined as a public school? Uh, it's, I don't know the exact term terminology, but I believe it's schools that receive uh, public funding or federal funding. Right. Or something like that, and then private schools are. It's like owned by some other. Yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah. So for that, um, I'm able to go to a public school <laughs> in America. Air quotes, pal. But uh, it, you know, Lakeland University of Japan is a satellite campus, basically, of Lakeland University in America. So mm-hmm. going to school here is no different than if I were to go to a campus back in the states, according to the GI Bill. The GI Bill, the thing about it is that, yes, it does pay 100% of your education if you go to a public school and all that kinds of stuff, but you're limited in time. So if you don't get your education within 36 active months of you attending, um, which sounds like, wait, 36 months? That's three years, right? But if you don't take classes during the summer, it doesn't count towards your GI Bill. Oh, wait, what? So if you you figure it out for like a four-year degree... Mm -hmm. And you take out like three months, so three times four, 12, so that's a year. So that's where, you know, people get a little confused. It's like, I thought like 48 months was four years. So if you... It's, so it's like three years, 36 months worth of credits, yes. which is technically a 40, like a standard 48 yeah. year. Okay. Exactly. And some people kind of stretch it out from there. And I've seen some people like uh, if they come into the, the service with prior credits and they just get out and, you know finish up and then go to graduate school with it so it's pretty wild what you can do and plus yeah. like you can also you know take extra classes so you can graduate faster um it just depends on like your personal situation you know work and just your ability to handle it um you know you might want to talk to your advisor about those sorts of things <laughs> talk to your advisor yeah i'm just just a little <laughs> cya here you know cover your ass so i don't get like tweets or whatever Andy San I signed up for like 18 credit hours and I'm failing what the hell <laughs> do better yeah yeah exactly get better do luckier or whatever <laughs> it's do more get luckier there we go much. okay <laughs> no, but, <laughs> um, but uh, it's cool though so right now you're not paying any tuition then no but you still have to pay for everything else like life Yes, and that's that's another part of the GI Bill, is that in addition to the tuition, you also get a housing allowance, mm-hmm. which is 
the amount that you get it d- depends on where the school is. Now, before, oh, okay. if you were in an overseas school, some of them would have caps of whatever. But with Japan, you would it used to be, the old system was, it would be based on the home campus's BAH. So say, for instance, uh, you went to Temple University, their main campus is in Philadelphia, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lakeland's based in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, there was a huge disparity in BAH because it's a lot more expensive to live in Philadelphia versus Sheboygan, Wisconsin. So you'd um, see like almost a thousand dollar difference. That's a lot. Yeah. Every dollar counts out here, folks. But there was a new system that was brought forth this year, which aims to bridge that gap and create basically like a universal BAH for uh, overseas. Mm-hmm. And right now, at the time of this recording, it is. $1,700 and some change every month for a full month. That's pretty decent. Yeah. That is very livable in Absolutely. Tokyo. Which, which is like, to, to kind of clarify in that, uh, Tokyo is expensive. It can be expensive. It can, it can be very expensive, but like 1700 USD? Mm-hmm. 1700 USD is like a, almost like a standard average for uh, new college graduates in Japan to yeah. be earning at their jobs, which sounds incredibly low, like 1700 USD a month. Um, however, the difference between like somewhere like Tokyo and like New York City is that a lot of people that are in Tokyo still live with their parents while they're mm-hmm. working their first couple of years. Um, and even if they are coming in from somewhere else, they're able to find somewhere that's a little bit cheaper. And there are ways to live cheaply in Tokyo, which Apparently, you're doing a very yes, good job uh, of. Yeah, I'm doing as best as I can, man. <laughs> is, you you want to talk about the box? I, I do. I do want to talk. I'm so curious about the box. Oh, my so God. So, <clears throat> the context behind this box, on Twitter. Um, so, we we first linked up on Twitter or yes. you messaged. I don't remember where it was. Twitter, Twitter or Instagram. Twitter or Instagram, somewhere on there. Um, but re- recently, you posted this picture of a box. Yes. And it it is set up. Kind of like, I mean, there's a bed, there's yeah, shelves and yeah. whatnot. Um, and you were saying that it was your place of sleep. It's where you sleep. It's where you live. Yeah. Um, which makes zero sense <laughs> to me. And I asked you a bunch of questions, and then um, I figured it was just easier to ask you in person. So, okay, the box. Please okay. explain what the hell the box is and how we, how you're making it work. Okay, so just for a little bit of uh, context here, folks, um, I live out in a guest house. It's a Tokyo guest house in Nakano. Uh, it's a little part in Tokyo. It's like west of uh, Shinjuku. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. That's another reason why I decided to, to go there is it's very close to my school. And it basically, it's almost like a picture, like a ghetto capsule hotel, you know, where it's not all like pristine with like, you know, plastic and all Blade Runnery with lights and all this kinds of other shit going on. It's literally a wood box, like a wood crate that you're living in. It really is a crate. It is like there's no like (laughs) it is literally a wood crate, basically. And you get like so much space and all this kinds of other stuff. And you get like a futon and a little cover and some sheets and there's like a little light off in the corner for stuff. But that's mostly just your sleeping quarters. Like, you know, obviously so, people so work in So everyone has one of those? Like- yes. Yes. <laughs> Everybody. It's literally like a ghetto capsule hotel. That's the best way I can describe it. Wait. Okay. So uh, can I ask you how much it is? You can. And uh, it varies depending on when you come in because they do run deals. The boxes. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag not an ad. Hashtag could be an ad. Call me. (laughs) But basically, uh, for the first two months, it's usually significantly reduced uh, depending on if there's any like holidays or stuff like that. Okay. Uh, When I came, it was still kind of like Christmas holiday special. So for the first month, I got it for like um, 18,000 yen for the first month. Mm. And then. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And second month was so uh, so eighteen thousand yen is like about a hundred and like seventy hundred and sixty five dollars yeah something like a that. month which is that's like rent yeah that's crazy yeah that was just for the, for the first month though but okay. uh, second month it was like twenty six thousand so about two forty ish in uh, burger bucks and uh, 
from the third month on, my regular rent is thirty six thousand, so about three twenty, which is still so like I I pay like close to eighty thousand for mm-hmm. where I live, um, and it's it takes me like uh, the from train rides it takes me like I don't know fifteen ish minutes to maybe get to like Ikebukuro. yeah, but it's like a 15, 20 minute walk to the station. Oh, dang. So, yeah, but I don't know. I like where I live, but yeah, it's it's kind of expensive for what it is, I think. Yeah. Yours is, I don't, I don't know how to like, <laughs> like how to price it. Or it's like, is it expensive? Is it cheap? It's, but all you do is sleep there though. Well, in, in the box, they also have common areas too. So it's not just like you're going to this building and there's a box and that's it. You know, there's common areas. Are area- there doors? Oh, on the box? No, it's just a curtain. (laughs) So, you know, can't be too loud in there. (laughs) It's not soundproof, by the way. Is there a ceiling? Uh, For the bottom ones, there are. For the top, no. Uh, Okay. Which I I live in a top bunk, by the way, because I like the airflow. So it keeps things nice and dry, so I don't have to worry about mold or none of that stuff. That is fair. Okay. (laughs) But there are, like, common areas and stuff like that. So they got, like, a kitchen and, like, a living area. There's, like, a study it's also an art room mm-hmm. and, you know, bathrooms and showers and stuff like that. So it's it's very livable. And especially for people who are coming out to Tokyo and they don't have a lot of money or they just kind of are getting their footing in the city because, you know, there's only so much you can get just looking through apartment listings on Gaijin Pot. You know, it's just yeah, like, here's that- the apartment and here's the outside of the apartment. But like, what does it mean? You know, OK, what's the commute to the station? What's the traffic like going there? You know, is there bicycle parking? You know, can I, if I decide to get a car for some dumb reason, can I park my car there? And how much mm-hmm. is it? Which, by the way, uh, there is bicycle parking at the guest house for an extra thousand yen a month. So oh, uh, they, it is like a uh, deal. You have to pay for it. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's like, because when I first came to Japan like three years ago, um, I, that's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, how do I find housing? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, like my reading was very poor. I could speak well enough, but it was such a nightmare trying to figure out like how does this whole system yeah, work? Right? And like you said, like Gaijin Pao, I think was the first one I looked at. And yeah, they don't give you a lot of information. The people, like once you once you reach out, and like you have like this like realtor or someone, they're super eager to help you because they get like commission or whatever. Oh, absolutely. And when you ask them a specific question, they're actually, depending on who you get, they're pretty good about it. But yeah, now I've, I've moved twice in Japan so far and I it's been through the same um, company, mm-hmm. through same like uh, real estate agent, I guess. Okay. Um, but the process has been pretty decent and I've I've chopped around in other places and they're all pretty good but yeah it's they do tell you like the area and like what's around the area what kind of amenities you have and everything but the big thing is like what's the traffic pattern like oh absolutely and like a lot of that depends on like where you're going to work and where you're commuting to but that's like it's so hard to know and understand that without actually being here right yeah so with with your with your box (laughs) um living in a box is there like how does the contract work? Is it month to month? Is it you have to take it for like a few months, a year? No, it's month to month. Month to month. So if you're coming here for, you know, like a 90 day stay and, you know, if you're just mostly staying around the Tokyo area, I can't recommend it enough. You know, it's what about fit. safety though? Like, is it how locked up it like all you've got is a curtain, right? So yeah, someone just comes in and just takes your I mean there's there's also like private lockers you can get as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's um like an extra 5,000 or 9,000 a month. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure cuz I I don't have one, but you can get private lockers if you are worried about stuff getting stolen, but you know, knock on knock on wood, but uh we haven't had any such incidents at the guest house. Yeah, that's good. So. It's like and it's I feel like guest houses, you normally don't have that problem anyway. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, um, it's it's kind of luck-based, but <laughs> at the same time, a lot of people that are staying at guest houses are very similar-minded people. Yeah. And probably from what I've heard, because I haven't personally stayed, but like a lot of people that I know that stay at guest they're all just super good people. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, good vibes all around. You know. And there's a lot of people who are either going to language schools, so their Japanese is, like, way better than mine, which is hot garbo at the moment. 
And, you know, there's also a lot of Japanese people there, too. A lot of, like, young professionals who are just, you know, they just left mommy and daddy's house. And, you know, they're starting a new job, starting a new career, saving up for an apartment, which is another great reason to do it is, you know, if you're only spending, like, 36000 a month to live in a place, you know, you got all this time to work on stuff and build that savings up. So when you right. do want to make the jump to an apartment, you know, you'll have the money to do it and... Like I said, you know, it's one thing to like see the listings on Gaijin Pot or whatever, but it's another thing to actually experience it and to, you know, be physically be in the neighborhoods to actually like see like, yep. you know, what's going on here? You know, what's around? What restaurants are around? What grocery stores, department stores? How fast can I get from here to work and other places versus just kind of google mapsing and like figuring it out you know yeah it's it's if anyone's interested in moving to japan and like uh finding a place residency here definitely going that route of finding something a little bit more temporary oh for sure um like there are other uh uh share houses and whatnot is what they're called here but those like um i know people that have lived in them like my sister's currently living in one i think Mm -hmm. but it's like 90,000 for like a single room yeah. like 90,000 a month and which is like eight, like 800 plus dollars yeah, uh, at that point you might as well just get an apartment right and like, it's not even that big like you yeah. get like maybe like 20 square meters of space like you probably don't even have your own bathroom nah. like it's it's good if you like the people and you like that dorm style right but yeah, it's something like the box. <laughs> like <laughs> the, box. In the box might might be better. It kind of depends on where your comfort level is, but yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cases where you do have to dip outside of your your comfort zone. I mean, even just moving to Japan is a test in getting out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, because you gotta learn a new language. You don't have to like be super fluent in it, but at least know enough to kind of get by. And you know, big mat gosetto on the gasha, please. You know, something, but, uh, you know, and then just being in a completely different environment, you know, in America, it's car, car culture. So, you know, just driving from place to place here. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're out in the, the sticks, you know, it's, it's, you don't need a car to live in Tokyo. Yeah, no, Tokyo, definitely not. No. It's the transportation system here minus the buses yeah. are very, very good. Yeah. Buses suck. Yeah. I just stick with trains. Yeah. I don't really need to ride buses. Um, how's, so, I mean, when you were in Yokosuka though, mm-hmm. What was food like there? Like, were you able to try out a bunch of different Japanese stuff or was it mostly... Because I've been, like, it's actually really easy to get to Yokosuka. Oh, yeah, it's south sure. of Tokyo and there's oh like a... God. There's a um, there's actually a day pass that gets you there for cheaper and whatnot. Yeah, so. exactly. But I don't remember there being a lot of, like, Japanese. It's very touristy, kind yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, it depends on, like, where in Yokosuka you go. Like, obviously, the closer to the military base you get, the more, like, American it gets, mm-hmm. and you get all these, like, more American-style restaurants and stuff. Can but- you get bacon, though? Yeah. Because you can't get bacon, like, like real bacon uh, that yeah. Americans yeah, right. know and love. You can't really get that here, I don't think. Maybe you can get it at Costco, but I don't know. I think you can get it at Costco. Probably, yeah. I, I just, like, if I needed specific American ingredients, I'd just buy them on base, and then everything else... Like, I live really close to the the, uh, the Don Quixote mm-hmm. out in Yokosuka, so I'd literally just, like, walk a block and, there you go, go to Donkey, get some, you know, kimchi, kimchi fried rice <laughs> and, you know, mix some curry in there because, you know, I'm on my second chew high and I need some food. <laughs> it sounds disgusting, but it's really good if you've had it. <laughs> I, I have a recipe of it online. You should I'll, try it. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with, um, with food now, though, do you, what, like... Because Americans, like, mm-hmm. and so all of my American friends or people that I know from America, they're, like, the the least um, willing to challenge themselves with food here. And I, I think that's just, like, a very, it's it's a very American thing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. being an American, I, that's how I feel about it yeah. as well. Of It's like, oh, I don't know what that is. I like these safe things. I like my food. I don't like your food. Yeah. But how has how has your food experience been with, like, other Japanese stuff since you've been out of base and like in Tokyo, Tokyo now. Right. It's, uh, it is definitely a trip outside the comfort zone. So a lot of times, you know, I kind of have like my places that I go to and stuff. And right now it's more of an issue of financial versus, Mm. Hey, let's try things. Right. Right. You know, cause you know, right now I just want to make sure I'm not spending more money than I'm bringing in because, you know, I'm not working. It's literally just 100% GI Bill at this point, mm-hmm. and I only get that once a month, so got to make it count, right? So for me, it's mostly just a lot of really cheap meals, so there's a 
a chain out here called My Basket. Mm, so I'd, yep. go, I'd go there and get like a really cheap bento and, you know, either get something to drink there or, you know, dr- have something at home. Or I'd go to like, you know, being Mr. Merkigen, got to have my hamburger, right? So I'd go to like McDonald's and Burger King and they have like the value sets. So you can get it for like 600 yen. and I haven't seen a Burger King, I don't think. Oh, they're everywhere, dude. Like, Are they? Yeah. Like uh, for where I live, they have... Uh, McDonald's and a Burger King, all that kind of stuff out in Nakano Sakue, mm-hmm. which is just a station up from where I am, but I just walk it because, you know, my policy is if my fat ass wants fat ass food, my fat ass is going to walk there. I ain't going to do, do this Uber Eats bullshit or, like, take a train and haul my fat ass out to, like, get some McDonald's. Could it please? It's, and it's like when you put in those commuting fees, it adds up anyway. It, it does right? add yeah. up, yeah. yeah. And even, even just delivery because, like, right now, time's recording, um, staying at a hotel out in Asakusa for the weekend and I ordered some Domino's and I didn't realize like, you know, the, the fees involved with it as far as like delivery and stuff like that. I mean, obviously it's the same back in America and plus you got a tip, which I do not miss that. Please. But just, you know, all these little nickel and dime type stuff adds mm-hmm. up and next thing you know, you're paying like 25 bucks for a medium pizza and it's like, it's really good, don't get me wrong, but like, dang, 25 bucks? Shit, I could go to Little Caesars and it, get one for like five bucks. Right, it's, the pizza is so expensive yeah. here. Yeah, so I, but a little tip I learned from uh, an OG YouTuber, Eric Surf 6 if you get a plain pizza and then cook your own toppings, it's way less expensive. <laughs> so just a little pro tip for all y'all out there who want that uh, slice of Americana but uh, want it on the cheap. That's, that's fair. I, Hadn't thought about that. I feel like it's a pain that I don't want to go. Yeah. I'd rather just have the, the plain pizza. Yeah. I, I mean, it just depends on your taste, you know, if you want to home alone it, get yeah. that plain cheese. <laughs> okay. So going on the topic of work, are you even allowed to have like part-time jobs? Yes. Have gigs? You are. So what are you, are you looking for things right now? What's, what's your plan with that? Well, right now I got picked up by an editing, like a video production company. I'm going to be starting with them in early April, right after uh, the semester wraps up. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen and then uh, I'll be able to get to work. How, how'd you end up finding that gig? Like they speak English and yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. It, yeah. It's uh, the guys, he's from New York. And uh, I found him through a friend of mine. So it was like a friend of a friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, networking is important. You yeah, know? That, and that's crazy, right? It's like everything really just comes down to who do you know and like who do they know. And exactly. just people's, people are so important. You know, Roberta Blake said it best. Your network is your net worth. Yeah. But, um, okay, so with them, like what, what are you going to do with them? With them, I'm going to be primarily the video editor. So they're just going to like go out to like all these restaurants and record stuff and do all that stuff. And then they're going to send it back to me and I'm just going to do my magic. <laughs> so they're a, they're a YouTube channel. Like what is, well, what is they're, their... they're primarily on Facebook. That's where okay. they mostly do stuff, mm-hmm. but they're also branching out to, um, YouTube as well. So I'm going to be primarily a video editor, but I also want to be a bit more versatile for them. So they don't just see me as the editor man guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, going to try to hustle my way and get to be like a second shooter and, you know, maybe be on screen talent or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they're not just, you know, if they're a little hard up on gigs or whatever, they're not like, well, you know, I could probably edit. I can probably put stuff together. You know, let's not give Andy so many hours and stuff. So mm-hmm. just got to make yourself more useful folks. Yeah. And it's like, cause watching your videos, they're, they're cut very well Yeah, where it's, there's not a lot of like just long pauses or fills or whatever. It's just, it's very straight to the point. They're very short. Mm-hmm. It makes them very palatable. But it's it's interesting because like from from my videos, um, I have like the hardest time figuring out like what do I want to show, what do I want to um, tell, and it just turns into this long mess of like ah, I just want to try different things oh, out. Here sure. you go. For sure. But how like what's your process look like when you're when you're making your own YouTube videos? Are you scripting it out? Are you just kind of saying things and cutting it in the edit like? Where, where do you put the most time, I guess? It, it would depend on, on the video itself. Um, for my Andy Japandi series, which is what I'm working on right now, um, there's obviously a topic involved, like a place, mm-hmm. or talking about various aspects of being a study abroad student who is a Navy veteran going through on the GI Bill in my 30s. I know for those of you so watching at home, specific. you know, I'm, I'm uh, 34 years old, so uh, Sanji Yonsai. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, I, I kind of hold up a little well. I just don't get too I, close. I would, I would have never guessed 34, <laughs> though. Yeah. Uh. Good genetics, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, 
yeah, you know, there's there's kind of like a general, I have like a skeleton script or an outline. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, today we're going to be talking about this thing. And there's going to be like three or five points that I want to hit. So if I feel like I'm rambling and kind of going on too long, it's like, okay, where's, where's my out? Where's my out? Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about, and you just mm. kind of go from there. Yeah, I need to do I need to do a better job of outlining things. I usually just kind of go out, <laughs> yeah, just go out and just like ah, I have this big idea, we'll make it work. Go back to the edit. It's like I hate whoever filmed this. Yeah, me. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing. If you have a general structure mm. of how you want to present things, it makes editing way faster. Yeah. Versus like getting this mishmash of things and like trying to solve someone's murder mystery. Right. You know, it's, you know, you just got to make things, you got to cut, what is it? Like cut to the edit basically. So Mm -hmm. you like film and it's like, okay, so we're here at McDonald's and then you kind of pause for a little bit. Then, you know, that's where you put in the little B-roll cut of like you looking up and there's McDonald's, there's a sign. If you don't know what it looks like, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to try the Giga Mac. And then you cut into like the little zoom in on the Giga Mac and, you know, you just hit these little points and it makes editing like a breeze. Right. It makes it like when you know your your main points, right? Um, With the, with this editing job, Mm -hmm. is there uh, like it? Are you only getting the files from them, or do you go out there and do you do stuff with them? Like, is it a mainly a remote type of thing? Well, most of my editing gigs are remote. So, mm-hmm. like, I would talk with a the client; they would send me stuff on Google Drive. Uh, some of them would send me like a general script of like, okay, we're talking about this thing, and I want this here, this there, hit this here, and then, you know, some of them would send me like an outline of voiceover because I would request like if it's like a B-roll bonanza. You know, it's like there's only so much like cool, like chill hop dubstep music can cover before people are like, all right, you know, I got to check cats on Facebook and Reddit, you know, like, come on, come on, come on, you know, get to the point. You know, there's a there's a saying in uh, in making music and don't bore us, get to the chorus. Ah. You know, so that's that's another reason why my videos are very fast, very punchy, because any minute, any second, even millisecond that you're not projecting some sort of value, whether it's, hey, look at this cool thing, or hey, this guy's talking about something that's really interesting. Mm. That's another point in time to where people are like, shit, okay, I got to check Gmail and Facebook right. like, and Literally, like every and frame matters. It, it does, yeah. absolutely. For this, uh, for this particular editing job, it is going to be uh, short videos, uh, primarily geared towards Facebook. So, you know, it's going to be like, you know, the cool music and you know you get little inserts for like text like this is the kawaii monster cafe and here's all the cool little alice in wonderland type stuff and oh here's the maids coming in with all this cool cookie food and Mm. you got this blue little like swirly straws and stuff with like this little concoction and stuff and you know they got the guests there they're like oh it looks really interesting you know you gotta gotta put on the youtube o face you know you know, I'll make it a thumbnail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll make it a thumbnail. So if you're, if you're watching at home, folks, mm-hmm. I'm making the YouTube O face, which is in like literally every thumbnail where you look surprised and just like, oh my gosh, yeah, this no, is interesting. It's all the, the Japan like food, all the food vloggers, oh right? My God. Like just every like, vlogger does it. Yeah. You know, it's either you got like the surprise O face or like the contemplative, like, is this for real? Yep. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so for me, like thumbnails are a big thing I'm really going to be working on because it's always my process has always been like find a frame that I look like I'm actually having an expression because I have normally a very flat face mm-hmm. when I'm talking but every once in a while like if I get to like an in between where I get a little bit excited that little millisecond of me doing the ah or the hmm or whatever then I just kind of cut that out through photoshop slap it on the thumbnail get a cool background from reddit or from my own personal private collection you know and they just put up the text you know of whatever it's about you know like the one that i did for uh is it okay to study abroad in your 30s you know that answer is no (laughs) get the hell out right (laughs) the future is now old man (laughs) wait so what you do for that thumbnail uh it's basically just kind of like either pointing to myself or whatever the case and i like faded it out because my idea was to like have it be like this old black and white like oh this guy's old as fuck so i like cranked up the saturation and like Mm -hmm. black and white it so it was all like very contrasty and i put okay boomer for the text and then like the background yeah yeah get them all going (laughs) so like my whole thing with that is you know 
the kind of segue to, you know, is it okay to study abroad in your 30s? So is it okay? It is okay. Spoiler okay. alert. There you go. <laughs> I'm not going to get any views on that video now because <laughs> people are like, well, we, we listen to this uh, podcast and obviously it's okay. We got right? the answer. We're done. There you go. That's all you need. <laughs> Roll credits. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, for me, it's just, I wanted my channel to, it was, it was originally going to be like kind of a continuation of the old Andy Japani series, which mm -hmm. is just, you know, showing people around and see all the cool stuff. But as I got more into it, I realized, you know, there's a lot of people kind of doing the same stuff, you yep. know, whether it's. You know, just, here we are in Japan, guys, and in Japan, we do all this stuff. And I'm not shouting out anybody in particular, but they do kind of talk like this. But anyway, um, so people are just kind of showing around parts of Tokyo, and it's not 2006 anymore where, like, nobody was doing it. You know, you got to kind of put your own spin, your own twist. You got to have your own hook. And for me, um, I noticed there wasn't really a lot of people talking about studying abroad in Tokyo currently. Mm -hmm. There are, there were a couple of of them but nowadays they've either graduated and moved on to something else or they right. moved out of the country entirely like the two i can think of off the top of my head was uh paris uh la sweet pea uh, she was studying out here in tokyo she's back in la now but the one that's the most inspirational to me on so many levels is loretta from kamushi chan i've been following her for years her japanese is like Jozu to the max, like, holy shit. <laughs> like, Jozu Sugi, even though Loretta's like, oh, no, like, I have a lot of work to Japanese and, you know, studying all those different things. Like, Loretta, your Japanese is good. Come on. <laughs> you know? why, why, is, why is she such an inspiration to you? Well, for my particular case, uh, she went back to New York after her initial run was done, and she came back through the MEXT scholarship okay. as a graduate student. MEXT is kind of you know, almost like a counterpart to uh, the GI Bill because mm -hmm. it operates a lot of the same ways. You get your college paid for, you get a little housing stipend and all these other different things. And plus, you know, the fact that she was in her 30s, I'm not going to say exactly because, you know, but she was in that age range and just going to school in your 30s in Japan was just like nobody, literally nobody besides me and Loretta were talking about it. Like, I, I dare you, I challenge you. To find anybody else aside from me and Loretta talking about studying abroad in Tokyo in your 30s. They just don't exist. But there are people that do come out here at, you know, older than, you know, traditional college age students. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's veterans like myself or just people who are like, you know, some stuff happened in my 20s. You know, I had to kind of stop with college or I couldn't afford college. But things are good now. I can afford college. And you know what? I want to take that trip to Tokyo. So I just need to know what I'm getting myself into. And mm -hmm. that's where I come in. Right. No, it's it's like, it's useful information, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So going forward. Okay. What's, what's your kind of like focus? What do you want to grow? Do you want to grow your YouTube? Do you want to kind of work into this more like uh, working with other companies and brands and whatnot with helping their videos? Like, what do you want to do more of? I definitely do see myself being more involved with the industry versus my own channel. Mm -hmm. um, right now, well, especially during finals, like <laughs> I'm not really uploading much of anything, but uh, even once finals are done, like I see my YouTube is just like my own sort of creative front and mm -hmm. a way to like show these companies like, hey, you know, I know how to operate. I can wipe my own ass, dad, you know? And it's also just a form of creative expression to like get myself out there and express things, you know, doing it my way versus having to go through a company and get approval and right. uh, the shot's not right or, you know, whatever the case. It's just a lot less moving parts involved because it's just me, you know. But, uh, you know, long term, I definitely do see myself kind of either getting more into the industry or maybe starting my own production company because I do want to get into like the business side of things because mm -hmm. like, you know, there's only so long that people can do YouTube long term. And that we've seen it with a lot of the uh, the older creators who've right. been on the platform, you know, have succeeded, got their millions and they're still doing it. Or they've moved on to other ventures, you know, mm -hmm. like a lot of the, the top tier content creators, you know, <laughs> don't need to name names because you all know them. But, you know, they also have ventures outside of YouTube, whether right. it's business ventures, stocks, investments, starting production companies and having stuff existing outside of their brand, you know, like, uh, you know, I'll drop one, like H3H3, you know, like Hila Klein, her Teddy Fresh brand is something that exists outside of the H3 bubble, mm -hmm. but it's still like part of it because, you know, she, you know, they, the guests are obviously wearing the Teddy Fresh shirts or the hats or whatever the case may be. So it's a part of it, but it's something that can exist outside of it. And that's something I eventually want to want to do. 
Uh, yeah, no, that's that's cool. It's definitely um, having those multiple revenue streams or just multiple things you're working yes, on. Yes, Not being kind of sh- shut down and closed up into just one little thing. Yeah. Um, there was a good analogy for that. Uh, I learned from uh, Gerard the Completionist because his mom had a saying, you know, that their family was like a bundle of sticks. And with each stick individually, it's pretty brittle and can break under pressure. I see. But if you bundle them together... They're very strong and can withstand that. So mm-hmm. if you think about it in terms of income streams, where one might be pretty strong, but under pressure it can break, if you have a, bu- a bundle of other income streams together, you can go through a lot and still be relatively okay. Even if one breaks, there's still a lot of others that are holding in there. Mm-hmm. So it's not like your income is going to go completely to zero. Okay. Uh, we're going to wrap up here um, just because time and other stuff nah, no but, worries. <laughs> but um for anyone that's kind of coming in contemplating whether it's studying abroad or just coming to japan that are maybe in a similar situation to you do you have any advice any final last words of wisdom that you'd like to give have no regrets in life if you want to do something do it don't let anybody stop you from doing it there's always a way to get whatever you need done whether it's work a shitty job to save up to come out to Japan, for example, or to go to film school in New York or travel elsewhere in the world. There's always a way, and with the internet, there's a lot more resources out there. and There's a lot more people talking about it. So you just have to make it happen. No regrets. Okay, do you have any regrets? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening. It was so much fun to chat with Andy. Um, It has been quite a bit of time since we actually recorded this, though. And so since then, he has moved out of the box. And he has a couple updates on his life on his YouTube channel. So be sure to check it out. You can find them on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at TheAndySan. I'll leave all the links in the show notes. But again, thanks so much for listening. And I'll catch you next time. Peace.